Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. week of September 9th, 2020, and this is your Kingdom Casts podcast episode. With us once again is Sandra Fisher Friends Not Food Swindle, <laughs> although she considers Namor a snack. <laughs> I'm Stan Daniel. With me, as always, is Albert Marsh. So, Albert. Yeah. How was your weekend? I worked all weekend. Sandra, how was your weekend? Extremely slothful. Oh, good. good. No, not good, but... <laughs> Sometimes you need that. I personally officiated at a Star Trek wedding this past weekend. Did you? Yes. Yes, I did. I was told it was themed to the Next Generation, Star Trek The Next Generation weddings. When you think of Star Trek The Next Generation and weddings, what do you think of? The only next-gen weddings I ever recall occurring were the Beta Z ones, and those were ones where everybody showed up nude. So naturally, I just assumed. <laughs> so you showed up nude? Did you drive over there nude? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, surely you would have had clothes on and, and realized once you got there that it was clothes. I had my flip-flops, but my flip-flops have the little Star Trek emblem on it. Uh-huh. I saw Mulan this weekend. Oh, you did, did you? Yes, I did. I thought it was very good. I thought it was well worth it. I very much enjoyed it. it had Jet Li in it. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Do you support Hong Kong? Well, no, oh. wait. I support the people of Hong Kong. I oh. support them breaking away from that. You're about to talk about what the young Mulan actress said. Oh, this whole movie. It's Chinese you, propaganda. Not once did the movie try to convert me to communism. This is an ancient myth, an ancient Chinese story, like King Arthur is. Mulan the movie 2020 is to the epic poems about Mulan as Excalibur is to Le Morte d'Arthur. Excalibur's a bad movie. So you're saying yes. Mulan's a bad movie? No, you've been claiming for years that Excalibur's the greatest movie ever made. No, now, it's, suddenly a, no, it's, no it's a terrible movie. Uh -huh. But no, that, <laughs> that's a, minute, a fair thing. I did not get that feeling. I like Excalibur, but Excalibur seems to me like a... If you go back to past podcasts, you'll discover that Albert loves Excalibur. <laughs> Excalibur is a pretty movie to watch. It is not a good movie to take in. The basis is still the same. It does not mean Mulan is a bad movie. It means that this is the equivalent. This is this is what you're getting from this. They didn't try. There's no Chinese propaganda in here. I'm sure there were benefits to the Chinese government for them shooting in China and using Chinese actors. But no, I don't agree with what uh-oh. Sandra? Yes? Yafei Lu? <laughs> Why are you asking me? I'm half Okinawa, not Chinese. <laughs> Your little island was just off the coast there. <laughs> Why uh, I... 
Y-I-F-E-I. I do not at all support what Miss Lou said, but also she's a Chinese citizen. And like Sandra said earlier, what's she going to say? Free Hong Kong? She couldn't exactly get away with that. No, I can't think of any, especially if you're a mainland Chinese actor as opposed to a Hong Kong actor like Donnie Yen, you're not going to say anything critical of the government because the government will immediately squash your career if not you. I'm trying to think. There was a Chinese actress who got not too long ago that said something and then immediately got arrested for tax evasion or something. Was it tax evasion? Well, at first she just disappeared. Yeah, and, first and she later disappeared. it turns out, oh, right. yeah, tax evasion. Not, not the Mulan actress, but I'm trying to think what the, the I, Chinese I, actress's name yeah, is. Yeah, I can't remember, but I remember her. It was her and her friend, her and her assistant. Yeah, I can't remember the name either. I understand that everybody wants to virtue signal and say, how dare you, and now we're going to cancel the, you, and you're going oh, to be... No, dead. this movie literally had to get approved by the Chinese government's propaganda department. They literally had to send that movie off to them to get it checked out right well, I think they have to have all the American movies have to go through that. And yeah. there's even a special thanks in the credit to their propaganda department. I would be even more upset about that if Mulan stopped in the middle and gave a speech about the virtues of communism. It's over... not about what's in it. It's about what's not allowed to be in it. What wasn't allowed to be in it? Is this why all <laughs> the Eddie Murphy scenes were cut? <laughs> but this movie had to get approved by their propaganda department. Well, okay. Think... And the Motion Picture Association has to rate and approve every movie see here. In America. And a lot of those movies, in fact, the majority of those get sent back over and over again with the Motion Picture Association dictating to the directors, the creators of the movie, what they can and cannot do or what the American public is or is not permitted to see in this movie. You should watch this movie has not yet been rated. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I, but I, but doesn't every movie that gets... Does every other movie's uh, lead actress no. talk about how she's pro-China? She has to talk about that. She doesn't have to talk about anything. If somebody had a gun to your family's head... Yeah, sorry, I don't know if it was that extreme. Oh, that other actress's name was Fan Bingbing. But I'm saying that all of our movies that get shown in China have to go through that propaganda department, don't they? Yeah, but this is different because they shot this in China. The entire movie that we're watching that got approved Get Out, Albert is saying had to be approved by their propaganda department. In other words, we're being affected by Chinese propaganda department saying that this movie is suitable and they had that power and ability because it was shot on the Chinese mainland. It's also shot in the district of China where they're horribly repressing those Muslims over there. It's yeah. shot in the same region of China as, as that's going on. This is kind of a double-edged sword. We get to influence them in this as much as they do anybody else, but they're not really influenced. Like I said, this is not a commercial for communism or anything. They just wanted to shoot it on Chinese soil. And they and, shot it in the same place that they're locking people up, the, in, in the same region. That, that region, U.S. companies are not even allowed to do business with them over there, and they somehow I was able to get over there and shoot thanks to the Chinese government. Well, if U.S. companies are not allowed to do business over there, why, how did this movie not get shot? In that in that area. By the same token, do you hate Ewan McGregor because he got special permission to travel across China on a motorcycle, him and his friends? I hate everybody. This guy, okay. I do. <laughs> 
Albert, do you have a serious problem with them having filmed in China? I have an issue with their filming and down the road there's a concentration camp. The way it was reported is they could have driven by that concentration camp. Well, they didn't. And they didn't know. And that province is a huge province. They knew. I was also shocked to find out that the majority of Mulan was actually filmed in New Zealand. What? Yeah. They shot a few scenes in China, and that's why the Chinese censorship department, or whatever it's called, whatever the official name of it is, gets credited. Most of Mulan was actually filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, there's concessions that can be made, and you don't necessarily know. I am completely and totally against the Chinese government. Then why did you watch for, this movie and pay for it? I am for a free Hong Kong because this movie is art and it's beautiful and I very much enjoyed it. I'm with you. I have a big problem with China having concentration camps. I have a big problem with China bringing the situation to bear on Hong Kong that it has. Also, you can't go to Walmart without walking out with stuff from China whether it's shrimp, other food items, washcloths, dishes, what have you. My point of view, if we're going to deal with China, if we're going to point the finger at any one American company and say, how dare you deal with China or work with China, then we as a nation need to point the finger at ourselves and say, we will not deal with nor work with China, and we need to do that across the board. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. And you and I have talked about, we've talked about this a while back on the podcast as well. But right now, if you're going to let Amazon deal with China, you've got to let everybody else have the opportunity to deal with China. Everybody wants to point the finger at someone else's perceived atrocities. Now, in the case of China, this is true. But what you're doing here is calling this up. You're saying that Disney did this knowing that the, you know the people were being oppressed over here and all that that may or may not necessarily be the case whether or not they knew that of course they knew it well okay we could have shot That's been it in at the, the news. you know what That's been you know what you're absolutely right <laughs> we should have taken the whole cast and crew and taken them to that part of california where those stupid ass star trek rocks are and shot the whole thing right there like every or better yet let's go to vancouver and shoot the thing because Every bad TV show running right now is shot in Vancouver in the exact same damn forest. Don't forget the the, the alley. The what? The alley. There's that one alley that gets used oh. every time. Oh, God. yeah, 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 with the Joker and all that. And hey, that's something else. You really like the movie The Joker. Does that mean you're pro-pedophilia? No. Because <laughs> they knowingly put that song in by that convicted pedophile. Uh, now, yeah, and, I let you, and I let you know my displeasure with that, too. <laughs> but it didn't stop. How many times have you seen The Joker? Uh, more than once. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I'm. Uh, this oh. is a whole different thing. Oh, yes, I'm sure torturing children and, and destroying their lives, a completely different thing from whatever. It's not. Of course it is. It's not. And when you start picking these things apart like that, I look at the positive end of this. Disney's presence over there shooting this movie and making this movie, there's no communist propaganda in it. No propaganda for Xi the Pooh. What is he? Chairman Xi? Chairman? President? I'm, I, President? I'm not sure. Whatever he is. There's no propaganda in it for him. This supports virtues and families and plays off of Chinese legends. And it is a beautiful movie. It's a solid movie to watch. And also, if anything... 
it goes against the current Chinese standard given Mulan's situation throughout this film. It does, so, it does not go against any Chinese standard. Oh, okay. I tell you what, why don't you round up a list of names of Chinese generals that are female? Or high-level service people that are female? Oh, I'm sure they exist. Well, then, okay. Round up the names. Well, I, don't, I ain't that specific with it. Oh, oh, okay. They're kind of in a catch-22 because if they'd shot it in America without the Chinese actors and whatever Chinese crew that they used, then they would have gotten accused of cultural appropriation. Well, you know what? They could have just not made the movie at all and stop making a great and stop, movie and stop remaking all their old movies and come up with a new idea. I agree wholeheartedly. We should stop telling stories altogether to stop inspiring the general public. We don't deserve it anymore. There is a generation of young women. Wait a minute. Speak for yourself now. (laughs) I deserve a pretty wushu movie with with a strong (laughs) female protagonist. (laughs) There is an entire generation of Chinese girls little girls right now that are going to grow up having seen this movie. And it is going to, this combined with other things, will slowly continue to affect cultural change in China. This this movie won't. It's going to contribute to it, and this is a powerful movie. Because if this movie would have done that, it would have not have been allowed to be released in China. If you'd watch the movie, you'd see what I'm saying. And what are are the Chinese going to do? The Chinese acknowledge that the legend of Mulan exists. This is just an interpretation and a telling of that story. Well, they they acknowledge a lot of myths and mythological history. Yeah. The propaganda comes in is when the young actress, Miss Liu, who plays Mulan, goes out and has to give mandated statements of, I support the police in Hong Kong or the Chinese takeover of Hong Kong. And there's not much you can do in that situation. I believe that they have got literal guns to the heads of family members in some cases like this. Yeah, Albert, 110%. I hate that the actress that plays Mulan said what she said, but also at the same time, if my family was under control of the Chinese government, I'd say whatever the hell the Chinese government wanted me to say. I've no doubt that if she even entertained the idea of speaking out against the Chinese government, the Chinese government would immediately say, accidents happen to old mothers such as yours. I hate that they had anything to do with this movie with China so far as paying them any money or shooting over there or anything else. However, it happened. It's happened before, hundreds of times before, if not thousands, and it's going to happen again. I want freedom for the Chinese people. I want uh, better lives for the Chinese people and the people in Hong Kong. However, sitting here doing a podcast on comic books in the middle of Alabama, I am nigh incapable of bringing about any of that change personally. There's no way you can escape any connections to China in the modernized world. It's very easy for the Chinese government to make people disappear. There's a lot going on that needs attention toward it. I'm not here to offer solutions. I'm just here to criticize. That's exactly (laughs) right. That's why it's so much easier for you. I think overall, the positivity that comes from this movie outweighs the negativity. And once you see the movie, you will know they could not have shot this movie anywhere else. It's just some giant long rant to absolve Disney of any wrongdoing. I'm not 
trying to absolve Disney of any wrongdoing. If, if this Disney. was AT&T and Wonder Woman, you'd be all over them. No, not over the China situation. Yeah, you would I, have. I know, I know that we have the same problem. But I DC. love Wonder Woman. Does Why DC. would I be all over Wonder Woman? Does DC even have a Chinese character? Do they have any Asian characters? Oh, God. Yes. Oh, Lord, yes. They have a Chinese Superman. They had it. They were trying to launch an entire comic book line based around the Chinese Superman that they created that they were going to target mainland China. I mean, this they did a major suck-up to them. Well, uh, it was all bootleg heroes. I don't know if it was a suck-up or more of an uh, underhanded joke as well. I don't think it was an underhanded joke. It was like Chinese Superman, Chinese Batman. Well, no, that's exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying to translate the characters into you know, China. To Every company wants good ties with China because there's a lot of money with China. Yeah, no, I'm talking about is there any... I don't even know why I even started this. Chinese Superman is in continuity. I'm yeah. correct, right, Albert? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Grant Morrison made a whole team of them. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what the point of that question was. Well, no, they do. All the characters, look, in cartoons come up, man, they try to have something to do with China. You know, I, I'm surprised Scooby-Doo hasn't been sent to China yet for something. And right now, somebody's listened to that, and they're immediately typing out, Dear Kingdom Casts, Scooby-Doo was sent to China in the Scooby-Doo episode number. I am shocked you were not aware of this fact. They had a Asian American that was, it was Adam. Oh, I forgot about her. Yeah. And she was that was, a, that was a him. That's not a her. Oh well, wait a minute. Who was the her that got? Oh, that was from the alternate reality, the uh, the one with the criminal syndicate. Yeah, yeah. There's a CSA yeah. version of of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I got confused. But Choi's Chinese, but he's yeah. Chinese American. He was in America when he was following up on Ray Palmer's work. I don't know what people expect from a Chinese folktale because. A live-action Chinese folktale. It's going to be Chinese. You either get accused, as I said, of whitewashing, mm -hmm. or you get accused of cultural appropriation, or you get accused of pandering to the Chinese. But it's a Chinese folktale that Disney is Disneyfying or undisneyfying because I think at least from the trailers that I saw, it seemed more like a Chinese historical drama, and I put air quotes around that, like Red Cliffs or the War uh, Three Warlords or something like that, or a Wushu flick with some historical things. I'm just going to say I'm approaching Mulan as a fan of those Wushu movies and air quotes, historical Chinese movies. Yeah. I think the art direction on those movies are, is fantastic. Like any historical movie, I'm not expecting it to be politically correct. Uh, I'm expecting a national hero to be nationalistic. The point of Mulan is it's a national myth slash history slash fantasy. And from what I've seen in the trailers, I think it's it's going to be spectacular. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that it's not going to be a great wall. God. But, yeah, but, part of you the know people what? complaining I'm... about that and uh, complaining about the Littlest Samurai with Tom Cruise. We did. I, there was a lot of people about complaining about the Littlest Samurai. But and that wall movie, people complained well, about that as well. I loved the visual look of the Great Wall. All the Chinese art direction in that was fabuloso. The story, not as much, 
you know, I, I approach these movies, I guess, with a certain uh, latitude. I guess we have to. It's an all or nothing proposition. If I'm going to avoid a movie that was shot in China, then in order for me not to be an absolute hypocrite, then I'm going to have to stop buying anything that has anything to do with China. I 110% think we should take the hit it would cost us and completely break from products and dealing with China until they improve their human rights record. I don't think you guys realize just how you see, entangled that's we are with China. That's as it. As far I, as I don't think anybody realizes that. Oh, yeah, I know. I just want the whole entire world economy to collapse. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that, but I still mean it. If we're going to point the finger at any one individual, then we need to point the finger at all the individuals and say, this is, as a nation, we stand here concerning the Chinese. We're just not going to be able to do that. None of us realize how involved we are with China. It would shock people. It, to be fair, it's not just the U.S. I mean, oh no, it's everybody. But, it's but this global economy. I lost the point oh, here again. I, I, the point, the point is, while I could sit here and convince myself that I have a problem consuming the film Mulan, then I've got to have a problem with the wash towels that I have, the cheap shelves over here, the TVs that are around the house, the computer Your components. Car. That, my car. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, the couch that I'm sitting Every- on. Every appliance you have in your house, uh, because it's not that you've just bought a quote-unquote Chinese car, but there are parts of that car, or even the steel, or whatever, that were manufactured, and then they could have all been brought to the U.S. and then manufactured in a quote-unquote made-in-America car, but that doesn't mean that every single piece in that car was made in America. That's true. When I consume art... This kind of goes back to the Warren Ellis thing. I guess I am not socially conscious consumer of entertainment and art. And I don't mean to say that I'm ignorant of what's going on with it, but I guess, you know, what you said. I mean, if I have to think about every aspect of what I'm doing when I watch a movie or when I read a book, then I really wouldn't do any of it because there's a whole slew of things. You could find a reason not to watch or read or, like I said, consume entertainment or art. I guess I'm just saying that where do you stop making these stands about what you're... Well, I'll tell you where most people stop. Most people stop at their front door. If you took a random sampling of those protesters and you knew everything there was to know about their lives, they're guilty of the same things they're accusing others, not necessarily the violence, but they're guilty of the same things that they're accusing others. But because it's group mentality, it's easy to run out there and say they are doing wrong and I am not them because nobody wants to be them. Remember the Batman shootings that occurred during what? Batman The Dark Knight Rises, Albert? Yeah, I think. Yeah, with Bane in it. The morning after, the store was getting inundated with media calls. One local radio show host wanted to talk about the Batman shootings. I didn't want to talk about them at all, but I kind of felt better us handle it than somebody else. 
I was on the local radio station and this guy came at me and it was not a conversation. He was immediately accusing comic books and the comic book shop or anybody that supported Batman as being guilty in this. I said, the character of Batman in this movie has absolutely nothing to do with why the guy shot up the theater. And he said, but there was Batman paraphernalia found in his home. And I shot back, there's Batman paraphernalia in 85% of all the homes in America. Now, I didn't know that for a fact, but I'm safe in saying that because there is. <laughs> or at least the vast majority of homes in America do have the Batman emblem somewhere in them or something pertaining to Batman. That's a real easy statement to make there. Likewise, I doubt that there is a home in America that does not have Chinese manufactured items in it. I'm sure there's some wackadoodle out there who figured it out. I guess if you lived off the grid in a log cabin without yeah. power or running water. True, true. But even then you'll still have a Batman item. In there. <laughs> <laughs> because you'll yeah. be reading those comics to learn how to live off the grid in a cave. <laughs> Yeah, you'll need the bat signal so that you can you can summon the, the authorities when, when your else, bear eats your lunch. <laughs> how else are you going to manufacture your batarang? <laughs> so that's a fair assessment. But I don't think there's any way that other modernized nations can escape connections to the United States if the situation was reversed, given the Batman quota per home in the world. <laughs> Well, I mean, even if you just restrict it to movies, there's so much Chinese yeah. money in movies nowadays. Yeah. I and mean, as Albert has said several times, people in Hollywood are gearing their movies, not everybody, but they are definitely considering that Chinese market and how to get the Chinese A-OK rating. And that's because it's a big market. I mean, it's a big, big market. Yeah, that's it. Even Albert's beloved Transformer franchise, Transformers Age <laughs> of Extinction. I already brought that up, too. I've, I've yeah. mentioned that several times. Or how about your games, like that 10-cent thing that you were telling us about, Albert? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Albert, I'm, be I'm beginning to... Are, are you a communist? <laughs> no, I'm a capitalist. I mean, are you now or have you ever associated with communists or have any member of your family ever associated? Oh, I've, I've associated with communists too, but that's none of your business about my sex life. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Real dolls are manufactured in China. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> This has just right. gone downhill. Can we move on to the Dune trailer? <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't see it, but I'm giving myself a high five and doing a victory dance. <laughs> mm. oh, Mulan's an outstanding movie. I think it's worth your money. My point of view on it was I would like to see Black Widow, and I don't want to go to a theater to do it, especially given the recent numbers mm -hmm. and the situation of people that we know personally now that have been affected by COVID. So I would I, I would I'd like it for tenant. Well, you see, I started to ask you if you went to see it. No, I ain't seen I ain't with the theater. God, I don't remember the last movie I saw at a theater. Well, there. I was curious whether or not you had gone to see Tenet. I know it's out at the theater. I was going to go see New Mutants, and then the numbers uh, in Alabama changed my mind. But I want to see Black Widow in the same way, so I had no problem with the $30 price tag to get Mulan, even though Mulan was not tops on my list. Would we have gone to see it in the theater, all things being equal? Yes, yes, we would have. But it's not like I'm sitting around with my Mulan t-shirt on or and my, my little Mushu dragon action figure or anything 
anything like that. It was just a, another Disney product that they were putting out that I would have liked to have seen or I would have gone to see, to review or what have you. It turns out, after having seen it, I'm way more enamored with it than I ever thought I'd be. Yeah, wait till December if mm. you don't want to pay the $30. If you'd like to see Black Widow and New Mutants without risking going to the theater, then pay the $30 to support Mulan. It's well worth it if you've got a family, and it's especially well worth it if you've got a little girl. And now, Albert, is there anything else? During filming, did Donnie Yen kill a horde of puppies or anything? Is there anything oh else God. you would like to try to throw at Mulan? I'm pretty sure if he did that, he'd oh. defend it. Oh. <laughs> Donnie, Donnie Yen you, is not hurting you puppies. You proved to me. You proved to me that there was a place in the Mulan budget that went to Donnie Yen puppy torture. No, and, there was not. And I will completely turn my back on this movie. <laughs> God. But it has Donnie Yen in it. It's got Jet Li and Jason Scott Lee and Rosalind Chow. It's a great movie. You'd love it. Simply oh, because you like it. Yeah. See, I've already <laughs> made my mind up on it, so I'm not going to change it. <laughs> Are we going to review uh, D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation next week? <laughs> and uh now we're going to go on to email <laughs> all right right out of the gate here we got an email earlier in the week from ed ed asks just curious what religions are y'all well ed i'm aurelian albert's a scientologist and sandra still worships emperor hirohito in short I do not in short, it's none of your business, <laughs> and we're not going to answer that. I'm a Methodist. What are you talking about? <laughs> See, now I got to cut that Baptist. out. <laughs> no, don't. You got to cut that out. Why would? Why even ask that? It, this is. This goes back to something else. I think we're I don't being know. sacrilegious. Are we being sacrilegious? Probably. Oh. I'm fairly certain Albert has taken the Lord's name in vain repeatedly. Oh, oh, oh. It's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> No, huh? Albert is the one that's always going. It's Satan. It's Satan. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, it's the. I bet it's the Church of Albert. Well, it, oh, that could be it too. I didn't even think about the first Church of Albert stuff. <laughs> well, maybe he's serious and really wants to know what religions we are well, or are not. But why is that? I was brought up. My grandparents raised me to. You do not discuss your religion. You do not discuss who you're voting for. And apparently the second one has completely gone out the window with everybody else ever. But the first one, why does it matter what my beliefs are? Well, Stan, there's a distinct lack of decorum in current society. So. <laughs> I've noticed that. But I still don't lack I still, of decorum. <laughs> I still don't believe in discussing either of those things with people who randomly send in emails. Ed, if you didn't mean anything by it, and I don't think you did, fine. But I personally, I do not feel that that plays into this podcast. This is a podcast about. <laughs> what, what is, <laughs> it's supposed to be about comic books, but apparently has turned into a referendum on the Chinese Communist Manifesto. <laughs> so <laughs> That's it. So we're moving on from Ed. All right. Okay. Next email. From Marcus, do you believe corporations' virtue signaling is responsible for the current state of comics? Albert? Did you repeat that? 
<laughs> Do you believe corporations' virtue signaling is responsible for the current state of comics? Now, Marcus does not say what he thinks the current state of comics or, is or what virtue, what virtue signaling is a corporation doing. That's it. Albert. Do you have an opinion on this? You need. I don't know. I think you need to be a little bit more specific about the current state of comics because that covers two broader strokes. I do too. I'm assuming he means that, or he thinks that the current state of comics is negative or in a bad way, but we don't know which bad way he means. Marcus, it's money. Marcus, the corporations are always going to try to predict where the money is and go toward it. I don't think virtue signaling has anything more, anything less to do with anything. I think it has to do with, at the end of the day, how much money something brings in uh, as opposed to expectations and what they can do to raise the bottom line. If that translates to the general public or if that translates to a uh, private individual as virtue signaling, they don't give a damn. They're after the money. It's always the money. It has very little to do with anything else. If I'm right about what I think you're actually asking, no, not necessarily. I think the changes that we've seen come up on comics, especially in the last few months, has more to do with corporate posturing and the bottom lines of what these products or what these intellectual properties are bringing in monetarily to the corporation. If they see it going toward the east, then that corporation is going to swing toward the east. If they see it going toward the West, that corporation is going to swing toward the West. They want to be in the right position to grab as much money as possible. I guess that's why I said repeat the question, because I don't know how a corporation can have virtue, much less signal virtue. A corporation, their only purpose is to make money and pay the shareholders. Yeah, that's it. No, I don't think it has to do with virtue signaling. I think it has to do more with them trying to pick up on where a society is headed or where the majority of the money is headed and them making guesses and responding accordingly. All right, Albert, you're going to love this one. This one comes in from M. Is Stan on Disney's payroll or something? Yes. Really? No, I stand correct. Stan, <laughs> Stan pays them. <laughs> I wish Disney was pay. I, I wish I was on the Disney payroll. <laughs> uh, no, M, I'm not. Albert's more or less correct. Yes, I do pay them. <laughs> and all he gets out of it is some button-up shirts. <laughs> Those are nice Hawaiian shirts. I'll have they are know. nice Hawaiian shirts. I'm actually jealous <laughs> of some of them. <laughs> You're jealous of the Jessica Rabbit one, right? Yeah, I guess. That's my favorite. <laughs> Okay, and finally, from the emails tonight, Brandlin asks, could you do an episode on Paul Verhoeven movies like you did Roger Corman? I don't see why not. Sure. Ooh, ooh. what movie do you watch? Yeah, I guess. Showgirls, Showgirls, that'd be the only one we'd watch. Showgirls, basic instinct. Showgirls, No, you got to, to compare and contrast. Robocop and Starship Troopers. Robocop, Starship Troopers. Unless unless I want to inflict... Soldier of Orange on people, <laughs> or some of his racy Dutch movies. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, in addition to Robocop, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, you got to do Showgirls and Basic Instinct. Uh, no, we no. Ain't got to. No, we don't got to. Well, I think it's obligatory. <laughs> How are you going to see the evolution of Sharon Stone from Total Recall, uh, you know, without watching Basic Instinct? <laughs> wasn't in Total Recall, was she? Yes, ma'am. Yes, she ma'am. She was shot and killed. She was Schwarzenegger's wife. Was she that was like a five-minute role? I mean, she's in the very front of the movie. 
And she's in the middle of it. She's posing as his wife from his point of view. And she shows up when they try to talk him out of it. And he sees the doctor sweat. Okay, I have so, to say. I will she admit gets in my... a fist fight with him and it's a hell of a fist fight. I will admit my total ignorance here. I did not realize he had done basic instinct. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he did. He did basic instinct. He did. Yeah. He's done a lot of movies. It's weird though. If I sat down at a movie that I did not know Paul Verhoeven had directed, yeah, about 20 minutes in, I'm going to start. It's like this smacks of Starship Troopers. (laughs) (laughs) And and it could be something like if I never, if I did not know that he had anything to do with showgirls, I could get 20 minutes in that movie and think to myself, the same guy that did RoboCop did this. Oh, he did Hollow Man too. Oh yeah, Hollow Man. Hollow Man with uh, Kevin Bacon. That's the best Invisible Man movie. It was pretty good. I always thought that was underrated. Yeah, I guess we could do an episode, but don't look for it immediately. Just be patient with us. We'll try to put something together. Let's talk about the Dune trailer. Did we all see it? Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts? This trailer made me tired. <gasps> it was all very gray, wasn't it? No, I mean, what? it's a great trailer. I, I really want to watch this movie, but this trailer makes this movie look like it's 10 hours long, and it probably is a 10-hour long movie. <laughs> I started to say, I would, I, I'm willing to bet that it is. Well, that's kind of interesting, because like when I saw it, I thought, well, doggone, I think they've showed us everything, haven't they? <laughs> They practically showed us the original movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, I'm saying. I mean, just... uh, I mean, there's the plot line. If they did a two-minute version of Dune, there it was, right there. Did they, yeah. they didn't show them with the guns and the murder words. No, they didn't show that. The weirdling way. Whatever they did it, I don't know. That was, I think that was in the, the movie. I don't really remember that from the book, which... I shall remind everybody, yes, I slogged through Dune. I slogged through Dune Messiah. I just finished Children of Dune with the vow that I would never, ever, ever reading slash listening to another Dune book again. I did watch the David Lynch Dune movie, and I'm getting ready to watch the sci-fi miniseries of Dune and Children of Dune. You notice the first thing they show in this trailer is uh, Paul Atreides kissing... Chaney. Yeah, Chaney. Well, that's your character. Yes. The first thing in this trailer is them showing a romance right out of the gate. How do you think that's going to play when people go to see this and that's not exactly what they're getting? (laughs) How do you think it's going to play when they go watch it? It's four hours of people with stupid names rambling in the middle of a desert. What stupid names? Duncan Idaho is a perfectly good name. That is is the dumbest name. Paul Atreides Atreides sounds like he could live across the street from me. Stilgar, I'm sure that's one of my neighbors' name. That's a guy that, from a stern Viking heritage. They changed up the force field thing, uh, and I don't think the force field thing they're using in the new movie is any better than the force field thing they're using in the original movie. Yeah, I and, figured they'd change that up. Well, they have to. I, I thought it looked much better. I mean, the art direction for David Lynch's movie is fabuloso. The special effects are like, ooh, that's painful. Are they going to think to themselves? Are we going to hear their thoughts? I hope to God we're not going to have to hear their thoughts in this version. I don't think we're going to hear their thoughts. Because no, not. That just knocked me out of the... Several things knocked me out of the original version. For instance, when they handed me a vocabulary sheet before yeah. I went outside. I was about to say, really? I, I thought it was going to be Fade Ruatha's loincloth or whatever that thing was. I'll tell you, that was my one disappointing thing about that trailer is, well, there's Beast Raban and there's that must be Baron Harkon. Where is Fade Ruatha? 
See how you're talking? These are all very stupid names. They're not. I thought she was just having a religious experience and talking in tongues. <laughs> Look, I have been thoroughly immersed in the Dune world for like several weeks. But, like, I just related why I was thoroughly immersed. There's nothing wrong with the name Fade Ruatha. Oh, dear Lord. All they did was go over to Disney and say, hey, if y'all aren't filming, filming any Marvel films, could y'all come over here for this? You've got Zendaya. You've got Jason Momoa, uh, who's Aquaman, but eventually he'll end up at Marvel instead. Josh Brolin, Dave Batista, Oscar Isaac, Stellan Skarsgård, Javier Bardem. Dear what Lord. has Javier Bardem done in Marvel? What hasn't he? He did this. He did this wonderful movie called Mother, which we'll be watching and reviewing next week. Oh my God! No, no. He was Anton. He was Anton Sugar. God, from No Country from Old Men. I was about to say he's from No Country of Old Men. He's done a lot of stuff, but uh, I don't think he's done any any Marvel stuff. I think Mother fits in the uh, Marvel creation story. Oh my gosh! That don't even don't even think about it. I actually sat through that movie for some reason. I can't remember why. I've seen I that, watched movie. that movie opening weekend. I went to go watch that movie. The and, movie theater? You paid money for that movie? Yeah, me and about six other other, other people what did. The but, heck? And three of them and three of them left. <laughs> as soon as that baby scene happened, they were out that door. They could not get out of there faster. <laughs> and you remember the first thing I asked you when I found out that you went to see it. <laughs> I'm going to come forward here and y'all can make Here's your opportunity, listeners at home. Make judgment calls all you want on this. I think I've seen that movie about five times now. Mother? Yeah. Why? I've seen it twice. I barely got through it once. It's the creation story. I mean, he's clearly God. She's Mother Earth, Gaia, Nature, whatever you want. But it's Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. You have the flood scene. And I am huge into theology. I am huge into Joseph Campbell, and this movie just fascinates me on multiple levels. He did something right with it. He really did. There's no way in hell this appeals to a mass audience at all. See, I'm really in the filmmakers that are hacks, <laughs> but, they, but they've convinced enough people that they're not hacks to get away with this stuff. <laughs> but they've... Com- <laughs> <laughs> they've convinced they've convinced somebody that's been brainwashed in the Bible and the and mythology and really loves Star Wars <laughs> to watch it over and over again. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like, yeah, this movie's art. That's what this movie is. <laughs> Knock me all you want. I really do believe it is. This is the sort of movie they should show in film classes. If you say so. Albert, you know damn well. You've seen this movie twice. You like it too. It has its moments. <laughs> I like it when she's going around telling everyone to get off her furniture. <laughs> or get off my furniture. I'm like, what book in the Bible is this? Well, if you're Catholic, there's a bit about Jesus creating table and chairs. But <laughs> there's substance to that movie. And Javier Bardem's performance in it is really entrancing. I always got and, great acting in it. Yeah. And poor Jennifer Lawrence. I, you know, Jennifer Lawrence was in pain throughout this movie. Actual physical pain. Whatever. She's paid. She was. <laughs> Have we lost Sandra? <laughs> I was talking about the Dune trailer and somehow we got sucked into this horrible well, you kept movie. Run, you kept rambling off these weird names. Moss me. I didn't even know it. <laughs> I didn't even know what language you were speaking. <laughs> I thought it was Latin or something. I yeah, don't know. Uh, 
one reason why I didn't need to be handed a sheet of uh, a glossary or a team roster or whatever is because before I long, 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 long time before I read the read the books because I just read the books now long before I think even the movie uh, I played that Avalon Hill game Dune which is a load of fun if you've got the right people and it has all these names the shutout mates Stilgar Thufur all the Harkonnens and the all their equipment the Gom Jabbar the Bene Gesserits the Freemen all the different places Habana Erg uh, because I played that game so much when I saw the movie what you're calling the foreign language was not foreign to me and when I read the books thank god thank god I had the movie and the game before because I'll tell you what for anybody that hasn't read Frank Herbert's Dune I mean that guy just throws you in the deep end and doesn't explain anything okay or explains it kind of like much further down so yes I, um, I I didn't get very far into the book when I sat down to read it when I was in seventh grade, when I also attempted to watch that movie. When you hand a seventh grader going in to see something that some idiot critic has called the next Star Wars. Yeah, no. And they hand you a vocabulary sheet. You know automatically you're not in for a good time. Ain't nothing wrong with that movie. There's a lot wrong with that movie. I've got that movie playing right now in the background. That movie's better than that book. It just kind of looks bleak. It all looks very, yeah, I want to go see it. I'm curious about it. Well, I'm going to tell you my biggest concern about, I mean, the trailer I thought looked great. There's a certain, it's not a high contrast as far as the colors. I mean, I know what you're talking about there. But of course, it's a great portion of it takes place in the desert, so it really shouldn't be a lot of... A lot of Star Wars took place in the desert, and we didn't have... I mean, that, that movie could have colors. <laughs> Jordorowski's Dune had, co- Dune had colors. You know, I'd like to see that. I, I need to watch that. In my Dune immersion, I need to watch that documentary. My biggest concern about this movie, even though I really like the trailer, is this director. Did y'all watch The Arrival? Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch Blade Runner 2049? Did he do that one? I'm pretty sure he did. Amy Adams was in The Arrival, right? Right. I thought, good Lord, this movie is slower than molasses. I thought it was too, but I thought it had a decent payoff. Well, that's why Dune's going to be four hours long, because that's how he directs. So He did just, Sicario. Did you okay. ever see Sicario? Okay, I've just gotten to oh. the end of the trailer for the second time, and just to make sure that I'm reading this movie right, it's anti-circumcision, isn't it? Where are you getting that from? The the worm thing. I'm making a phallus joke. Oh, uh, the worm's just a worm. It's nothing more wait, than that. Wait, let's stop here and wait for Sandra to start laughing. Hold on. <laughs> not laughing. I'm just, I'm face palming. I'm like, holy cow. Well, no, that's Actually, what I'm, I'm thinking. thinking I'm thinking the worm. I mean, did you see the, the mouth of that worm? Like I said, anti-circumcision. <laughs> Okay. Oh, All he, of them have teeth, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's where the Chris knife comes from. The teeth of the. Uh, oh God. There's a news story out on Ray Fisher, Warner Brothers, Justice League situation going on. Am I missing something in this to say? Wouldn't most actors have simply gone out and found another role afterward? I guess I don't. I still don't understand what the situation exactly is, but I don't know. I know that Jason Momoa said something about he stands with Ray Fisher, and I'm like, well, what is he standing with him for? What what is the issue? So I, I guess I've been under a rock this week. Well, 
I, well, that's my question. Are we, well, this has been going on for a little while. It starts off Ray Fisher, when Justice League was being made, he was a supporter of Joss Whedon. He got up there, he sang the praises of Joss Whedon. But now they announced the Snyder Cut. And after they announced the Snyder Cut, uh, Ray Fisher is the actor that plays Cyborg in Justice League. They announced the Snyder Cut. And when they announced the Snyder Cut, suddenly Ray comes out just saying all these awful things about Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon. Or he's saying that they were awful to us, they were horrible to us, so much so that Warner Brothers launches an in-house investigation about, you know, what exactly went down on the set. And the only things that have come out is that Joss Whedon wouldn't take any of Ray's suggestions for the character of Cyborg or for scenes in the movies or whatever, and was dismissive toward him and the other actors. I wasn't aware that it was mandated on a director to take directions from an actor. Are we missing something? Surely to God, there has to be more to it than this that just has not come out yet, right? Warner Brothers sat down to interview him, and then he left during the interview or something. I don't... He wasn't entirely cooperative concerning it. And then he issued a statement saying, I wanted to make sure that it was Warner Brothers Studio and not Warner Brothers Corporate, or I wanted to make sure it was Warner Brothers Corporate and not Warner Brothers Studio, and that the results would go back to the right attorneys. All these articles that we've been reading, it's like if Joss did something despicable, then just spin it out. But if the most you've got is he wouldn't listen to me about the direction I wanted my character to go with, well, you wouldn't last 10 seconds with Martin Scorsese. I mean, there's got to be something more that they're not telling well, us. Well, see, it, the way it's being handled, it seems like there would be something more, but there's been no mention, of, and there may not be, there probably isn't, but there's no mention of it. I'm under the impression that, if you recall, Joss Whedon, Warner Brothers okay Josh Sweden for the uh, Batgirl movie project remember yeah Okay, and that was way before Zack Snyder had to exit Justice League Josh was excited about the Batgirl project then all of a sudden Zack Snyder had that horrible circumstance and he had to exit the Justice League and you never hear exactly what was said but I I kind of got the impression that Warner Brothers said hey want Batgirl then you got to come on board and make this Justice League work Joss Whedon ended up with Justice League, and we know he wasn't thrilled about it. He even hides little commentary at the beginning of the movie where when his name appears, there's a street person holding a sign, and the sign says, I'm sorry, or I tried my best or something when his name appears in the credits as director. So we know that he was a bit contentious on the Justice League set. But I mean, it's got to be something more than he just he did not listen to what I wanted my character to do. Because that's not the way movies work. I understand it's a collaborative process, but there are directors out there that could give a damn what the actor has to say about the character and would just rather them be straightforward, do as told. So there's got to be something more to this, and I'm just wondering. Well, but he's, it, not, he's not talking just about Josh Whedon. He's also... Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns and some other people. It's just not very clear what is being referenced here. And since I haven't even watched Justice League. Oh, well, you know, there's Snyder Cuts coming out. It'll be the best four hours of your life. (laughs) (laughs) After I watch Showgirls, right? (laughs) (laughs) After you watch watch four hours of the Snyder Cut of Justice League, you will never critique Showgirls again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley will be number one in your book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Yeah. I don't mean to dismiss it or belittle it or anything like that because I just don't know. And I'm not, I don't know. There's got to be something more to this. And also at the same time, even if there is, there are actors that had absolutely horrible interactions with directors and people on set that went on to get other movies and that you never even until much, much later, years later, you don't hear these things. Or if you do hear them, it's other people talking about the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm like you. I don't want to dismiss it because surely to God, there's got to be something more to that because we keep hearing it. It keeps popping up. You think Justice League will be like the Heaven's Gate of superhero movies? The Snyder Cut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I Or just in gen- not, not necessarily the Snyder Cut, just the movie in general. And how much movie, I mean, you think about how much money by the end of this they will have spent on this movie. Oh, no, now Warner Brothers in, is insisting. Remember three weeks ago how everybody was talking that Affleck went in and, and filmed new scenes? Yeah. And you can tell a difference in his hairline and all. Warner Brothers is saying, no, no new scenes have been filmed for this movie. Really? No, they had to film something. Yes, they did. If it's four hours long, I guarantee you that Joss Whedon did not shoot a four-hour cut <laughs> <laughs> and knock it down to 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now they're no, no we're not filming additional scenes it was all there to begin with this almost seems like a smear campaign against joss whedon to a lesser extent jeff johns but yeah they're claiming that no new scenes were shot even after like three weeks before they were all screaming about ben affleck going back and putting on the bat suit and henry cavell was back and you know yada 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 and all this bullcrap And now the title Unite the Seven is floating around again. Well, somebody's got to be Green Lantern, right? (laughs) He he wasn't in the first one. And y'all have denied that there were any scenes shot with Arnie Hammer. So what's the deal? Are we just going to CGI Green Lantern in? Probably. I think it's more than likely going to turn out to be Ryan Reynolds. God, really? Ryan Reynolds? Really? Yeah, I think he I think he's just going to show up do a cameo or something like that. I don't know. There's been that rumor. They've denied that they shot any scenes with Arnie Hammer even though Arnie Hammer was on set for a lot of the initial filming. You mean and Army uh, Hammer? Army Hammer. I'm sorry. Army Hammer. Now we've got a 4-hour Snyder cut coming that they've they've not done anything new to. It was just sitting there the entire time. Yet we won't announce a release date for when in 2021 you're going to get it. <laughs> I don't know. This is just, it's just, it's like watching a train wreck. No, you see, I've turned the corner on this. I am looking forward to this film more than any other film ever. <laughs> I can finally die when this movie comes out. <laughs> so, what you're, saying, you're waiting so that when you say, well, Albert. <laughs> I'm just absolutely dying to see how the Snyder cut is the second coming of all movie films. <laughs> I'm dying to see it too, just so I can hurry up and die and get off this place. Man, I'm going to have to go watch that movie, I guess. Got this crap I watch for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's on HBO Max because nobody else will have it. The regular, uh, <laughs> the regular version? Yeah, the regular version. Okay. The hype behind this movie, there's just no way this movie is going to satisfy all the little Snydites. Is that what we're calling the Snyder fans? Oh my gosh. Snydites? Snydarians? Zachasauruses? <laughs> you know, 
You're going to get every dime of enjoyment out of this Snyder Cut that you I'm, possibly I'm can. You. And then I'm, when it comes out, we'll have to pay for it all. I'm telling you, I have gone from why on God's green earth are we doing this to for the love of God, will you stop talking about, will you people stop talking about this? And now I'm at the point where I can't freaking wait for this film. <laughs> Not for any good possible reason. So you said, what What was it? The Heaven's Gate? Is Justice League going to be the Heaven's Gate of superhero yeah. films? You mean all the little Snyderians see it and, and then commit Harry Carey? No. No, no Heaven's Gate's that. a movie. Yeah, the Mike Semenio or Caminio, as I mangle cool. that poor man's name. I was thinking about the Heaven's Gate cult that killed themselves when the no, comic came. No, the, this is like before Ishtar, there was Heaven's Gate. A film that's totally trashed everybody that was associated with its career. <laughs> you don't remember that movie? I, off the top of my head, I don't. When I hear Heaven's Gate, I think of that little creepy dude and the guys and gals wearing Nike that killed themselves because of Hellbop comic. Heaven's Gate had Chris Christopherson. Well, I guess it didn't kill their careers. They say that the film's financial failure resulted in the demise of the director-driven film production in the American film industry. That's how bad this was. It was released and then it was pulled from the theaters and then recut. It was made. It, it cost forty-four million back then in the eighties, I guess, to make, and it only made like something like three point five million. It was such a disaster. It was a director gone crazy, you know, given like an unlimited control, and he just went bonkers. Yeah, he went four times over the budget. <laughs> And they had this huge I, pile, this huge mess, and they couldn't figure, I guess they couldn't what to do with it. I like what I first thought of when y'all said Heaven's Gate. <laughs> All the little and those, and, and, and like every cut of this movie is over three hours long. Mm-hmm. Well, seriously, though, do you not see this four-hour version of Justice League Snyder Cut coming out and all these little Snyderians being... <laughs> Massively disappointed, castrating themselves, and then committing Harry Carey and their nights. No, it'll be like these Marvel movies. People just say they like it either way. The Marvel movies are great, pal. They're they're average at best. The least of the Marvel movies is better than. I don't think there's been nothing in the Marvel movies where half the movie was like lying on the floor and, and was cut out, and people wanted them to release. A longer version. <laughs> I mean, no, you that's know, just all their Star Wars movies they've done. No, it most Marvel, certainly now Marvel is not. has There's nothing not to do with one that. Case. There is not one case of that. Mm. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some DC comics that came out this week. You ready? Sure. Joker, Harley, Criminal Sanity, number five. Writer, Cami Garcia, artist, Mike Mayhew, and Miko Sion. Well, after a four-month gap in between issues, it's still garbage. (laughs) 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 You You know, I got four months to work on a comic. It can at least be good. I like the art. I still stand by the art. I think the art is great. I think both uh, Mike Mayhew and Miko uh, Sion's art is really good in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's pity pity. I don't like the colored scenes. I don't like the scenes with coloring in them, but the but the black and the white stuff still looks good. I read it. I reread the entire thing because it has been four months. 
This latest issue, it's like a 10th grade goth saw Silence of the Lambs and the Crow and wrote their own fanfic. I thought this started off with some promise, but now it kind of serves as an example of what I fear is going to happen to most of the DC standards under AT&T, where they retain their name and some signs that they're based on the original characters, but their dynamics, their personality and characteristics are bastardized for whatever targeted market they think they can get the fast buck from. I do love the art. I like both the art. I like the color art. I like the black and white art. I thought both was very good in this. But this is not any version of the Joker or Harley I'm familiar with. Am I off on this, Albert? It's just some garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Joker's just some dude with some face paint on. I mean, that's it. He's the crow. He's an evil crow. I don't know what more to say there. I gave the writing a two. I gave the art a five. I really like both of the artists' work in this. The dynamic is a one. My score was 2.7. I gave the writing and dynamic a one and the art a three. Hawkman, number 27. Writer Robert Venditti and Fernando Passerin on the art. I thought this was going to hold answers to the Justice Society and current continuity. Doesn't look like it. No, not at all. This is a flashback time travel situation. The entire thing was just average. I feel that this is another title that unfortunately reflects its lame duck imminent cancellation status. It's just going through the movements. I was under the impression, oh my God, we're okay, so he's going to handle the Justice Society and these final issues of Hawkman, and no, no, not at all. This is just kind of a flashback issue to his time with the Justice Society. And it's time travel, too. It's Hawkman. He he dies and gets reborn a lot. Well, I liked it. Good bit, actually. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I didn't think there was anything great about it. Anyway, what did you like about it? I don't know. I just thought it was a pretty solid written comic. Good art. Oh, the art was very good. I like the art. There's no doubt about that, but... I enjoyed the story. Well, I was let down because I I went in with the wrong expectations. I so desperately want to know what their angle is with the Justice Society that when they uh, advertised this as a Justice Society crossover, I thought, oh, well, we'll get answers. No, of course we didn't. Well, I gave the writing a dynamic of four and the art of four. Actually, I gave it straight fours. You gave it straight fours. I was. I mean, it's that. not some big fancy comic book or nothing. It's just a to me, it's just a real solid Hawkman and Hawkwoman comic. I gave the writing a two, the dynamic a two, and uh, the art I gave a four. So I gave it a two point seven. Death Metal Trinity Crisis number one one shot. I assume writer Zack Snyder, art Manipal. Did you Albert. say Zack Snyder? Yes. <laughs> Who is it? Scott Snyder? For a second, my, my brain skipped and you made me get the Snyders mixed up. I don't, it Does it matter at this point? Probably not. It's the exact, they're both ruining just different sections of the DC universe here. So go ahead. What'd you well, think? Well, I mean, it's pretty much, in reality, it's just the next issue of Death Metal. It's just got Manipal art. I mean, it's well, still written by Snyder. It's still very important to the story. It just doesn't have the Pulo art. Does this change your mind about the story at all? Is this doing anything for you? No, it doesn't do anything. It's almost like Scott Snyder is saying, hey, know what would be fun to do as AT&T dismantles the DCU? Let's go back and make an attempt to destroy some of their greatest stories. It really does feel like that to me. It's almost a coordinated effort. It came across as a mesh of words and lines and broad strokes that ultimately signified nothing. There was nothing nice for my eyes to fall on in this. 
concerning the art. I didn't enjoy looking at it. That's the best way I can put it. There's nothing cohesive to engage your mind in it. It makes me long for the days of Empire when the Avengers fought Salad. Snyder and company turning the DCU into toilet paper and forcing me to watch as they wipe. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but my, my view on this whole event, if they, they should have got an artist to match the writing. Okay. So they should have got Rob Liefeld to do all the art. <laughs> I don't know. At least... <laughs> At least I would be involved in the art to the point to try to figure out how the torsos are bending like oh, that you'd, or something. you'd still be involved with the art. I like the metal part in this issue. Yeah. But it just, but there's no point to any of this. Harley Quinn is not fun to look at. I, I don't know who designed that costume and that thing for Wonder Woman looks like a cross between Hela and Loki. Batman trench coat, that would work with some artists, but it doesn't work here. Let's say that this is all continuity in the DCU. It is all continuity. Let's say that they're crazy enough to say it's all continuity in the DCU. They have said it's all continuity. At the end of this, do you not think that Wonder Woman gets together with Superman and says, look, I know that he's really, really popular and you like him and so on and so forth, but we need to slap Bruce freaking Wayne into the Phantom Zone because you've seen the chaos that all of these little bat manipoles and bat this and bat that and bat Dr. Manhattans have wreaked across the multiverse. Isn't it better for us if we just do away with them? How does that conversation not take place? How do those heroes not hold Batman personally responsible for this? Because it's not real? I don't know. Yeah, Dark Phoenix wasn't real either, but uh, she was being held accountable for her actions. Really? Because she's just running around in the current comic books, sleeping with whoever she wants to. That's Jean Grey in the current comic books. That's not Phoenix. Oh, if you say so. Phoenix and Jean Grey are two different entities. I don't know how many times we have to go over them. It is simple. It is laid out. It is straightforward. Instead, in this comic book, you've got Darkseid and everybody else wearing a Batman costume. And this is the most ridiculous. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what Scott Snyder was thinking about this or anything. My score on this book is a zero. How about you, Albert? You can't give a zero. Oh, okay. Negative five. <laughs> I gave the art a four because I really like Menopause art. Uh, I gave the writing and dynamic a one because it's horrible. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it hurts. It's painful now. I don't know who okays this stuff and why anybody thought it was a good idea. I wouldn't say it's painful, but it's awfully tiresome. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, it's painful to me. I don't like these characters treated like that. But you're right. It is tiresome, too. I just don't know if it's more painful or tiresome. I'll tell you the next issue. Flash, number 76. Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter on art. I really miss it when there was less than a thousand Speed Force users in the DCU. God. Well, I gave this book straight fives. Did you really? Yes. Please, share. (laughs) Because the lame heroes in crisis on Zoom. Zoom has the power of hypnotic suggestion. Yeah. He whispers in people's ears at super speed. <laughs> they... <laughs> and so they use that to blame like every stupid thing in the Flash comic the last 10 years. It's all Zoom's fault. And I'm completely okay with that. I'm really not. 
I am because it was a joke anyway that they were going around making Zoom responsible for everything. Like, remember that time, Barry, you stumped your toe when you were third grade? That was me. Look, so they just went ahead and did it. I'm fine with it. This was a dazzling display of characters who I didn't even know existed, who have no relevance whatsoever, and that you will forget when you turn the page. It's like Williamson is screaming his story at you, as if that's going to make you less prone to not remembering its existence. In the I, thought, I thought it was a good comic. Just I've enjoyed this arc a whole lot, so I like it. I've been back and forth on this arc, but I'm not liking it now. I don't like mm-hmm. that Zoom has uh, hypnotic powers. I don't like that everything is Zoom's fault. It's not hypnotic. It's super speed suggestion. Hypnotic makes more sense to the majority of the audience, okay? (laughs) Super speed suggestion. Porter's sharp-edged art kind of stabbed me in the eyeballs during this. Man, it's almost like if you listen closely, I can almost hear Williamson whispering, Love me, damn you, love me. I would just like something more personalized, some relevant character stories like Johns and Wade used to deliver. This used to be a top book way back when. I gave the writing a two. I gave the art a three and uh, the dynamic a one. My score on this book was two. You gave it straight five. Straight five. Unapologetically. No, it's not straight five. I gave the art a four. I really liked the art. Actually, I gave it straight fours in reality. Okay, so straight fours, not straight five. I gave it a two. Okay. I was really looking forward to, well, one book out of of this. But this this run's been like on and off with me anyway. Yeah. I really enjoyed this last art. There's a couple of books we're not reviewing that I did read, like Wonder Woman and Justice League. Is it Odyssey? Odyssey, yeah. yeah. All of these books, Flash, Justice League, Odyssey, Wonder Woman, they all reference the multiverse. I noticed that Justice League Odyssey used Grant Morrison's map that Darkseid was looking at. That's not a coincidence, is it? Probably not. They're working towards something here, and I don't know what they're working I mean, toward. It may, I just, just be, it may just be death metal stuff. So Yeah, you see, that's what I'm scared of. That's why I'm not getting excited about it. I'm scared that what they're hinting at in The Flash and in Justice League Odyssey and Wonder Woman since the, uh, what's it called, The Force Wall? Since the Force Wall has The Source Wall. The Source, not the Force. I'm sorry, I just saw the name Skywalker on the TV screen here. The Source Wall. Since the source wall collapsed, Maxwell Lord recalls different memories from different universes. And and I did not like this. It suggested that the Justice League International was not continuity, was part of an alternate reality. Given the New 52 continuity since then, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But it's like they're trying to hurt certain fans in a few things. All things being equal, I'd be excited. I'd see the thread running through these books. But I'm not excited because I'm scared of what you said. I'm scared that we're, you know that it's all going to end with the Batman who laughs. And I just can't jump up and down about that. Green Lantern also. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but it's, Green Lantern is a different thing because that's just Morrison doing Morrison. Yeah, story. it's not. Yeah. So that's just a coincidence, right? Yeah. And because they're pulling from Morrison's multiverse map in the other books or in Justice League Odyssey. Moving on. Green Lantern, season two, number seven, writer Grant Morrison, art by Liam Sharp. This one was a little too meta for me, Albert. No, this one was just right. Did it feature super flash talkative hypnosis or whatever? No, no, nothing like that. This was kind of reminiscent of Final Crisis to me when Grant Morrison simply couldn't force everything 
into the comic book format. I think this issue was a fairly good example of why some people, like our friend and contributor Tim Bryant, get turned off by Morrison in this situation. I see what he's getting at, but the concept would become more real to a reader if it was presented in a novel format where he could have a few hundred pages to explain the significance of the cloak Hal is wearing during his post-death life, as well as the ramifications of Hal having to dissolve his past incarnations. In comic book format, it just kind of turns into word pasta with metaphor sauce on it. I love Grant Morrison, and I very much have enjoyed his Green Lantern run. But this one, I just feel that he couldn't get it all into the issue. I don't know. This seemed a lot more easy to to digest than some of his other issues. This is the first time I've looked at an issue of Green Lantern and thought, ah, this is a bridge, not a bridge too far. This is, there's more in Grant Morrison's head than he's capable of communicating with certain issues of certain things. Yeah. And this came across as one of those situations. I loved the art in it. It was going back and forth, but the art in it was very interesting to me. It reminded me of some of the special event graphic novels that used to come out. Well, yeah, that, what, to me, it, it's sort of like that. When I first, like the first page or two, I was like, oh, this is Sharp doing his other style. Yeah. He, I think used maybe one issue this run that I didn't care too much for, but this go around, it really, really fit the comic oil. But yeah, it reminds me more of like some of Simon Bisley thrown in there, a bunch of European style comics, things like that. But it was really, really great in this issue. This was just a character piece on Hal is all it was. I was reading more into it than than just this. I mean, that may be why I was also trying to tie it to Wonder Woman and stuff. But you're right. Grant wouldn't call over to the Wonder Woman writer or the Justice League Odyssey writer and give a damn what they had going. No. I gave the writing a three, I gave the art a four, I gave the dynamic a one. My score on this was 2.7. I actually gave this issue straight fives. Like legit straight, not joking like Flash, but this one I legit gave it straight fives. I thought it was a fantastic, perfect, excellent issue. It could also just be the mood I was in. Could be. Yeah, I, I may have read Superman in front of this and gotten real mad. Finally, up this week for DC Comics, Superman number 25, double-sized issue. Writer Brian Michael Bendis, artist Rees on it. Superhero of the Year claims people at Entertainment Weekly who were shocked to discover that comic books still exist. (laughs) First appearance of Sinmar. Should we run out and buy 40 copies? Well, I'm waiting. I'm anxiously awaiting. (laughs) Well, I sort of like this issue. Okay, what'd you like about it? I did. I love the art. The art was great. The scenes with Clark and Lana were just eh. Yeah. But they were more of like, hey, here's what Superman continuity is now. I mean, most of the flashbacks there were probably just really just to give Reese, sort of give him something to draw, I guess. The Sinmar, the alien scenes, dialogue-wise, they're overwritten. No crap, yeah. But I did like those scenes. Well, this echoes back to when Bendis first took over Superman. Bendis has it in his mind that the way he's going to be remembered for his Superman run is to write something into Superman's origins. So that's why we've now had two situations that start with the destruction of the planet Krypton. And yeah, but this is a little different, though. How? Well, yeah, because the guy doesn't immediately not, go to Earth to pound on Superman. It starts at the destruction of Krypton, but it's through the point of view of this other alien race. Yeah. And how they view it. Like, well, this planet's blowing up. They talk about the rocket going and the baby going to Earth with the sun and all this stuff. And eventually they decide, due to Superman, they pretty much make their version of Superman, which I guess is more of a 
super soldier Captain America thing, but they yeah. still made them. See, I, all that I, stuff I liked. It was just over. It was just overly written, but I did like the idea behind it, and mo- for the most part, the execution of it. Well, don't they have a grudge against Krypton? Sort of. But I mean, once Krypton blew up, did it matter? They talked about killing the baby, but philosophically, it would be wrong to kill the child, yeah. and so on and so forth. It's to me, this just smacks of Bendis trying to plant his flag inside Superman's origins in some way. It's almost like Bendis wants to be John Byrne so much. I'm wondering if he's applied for Canadian citizenship in between sending hate mail to Chris Claremont. Yeah, he'd have to burn all of his bridges first. Bendis looks back and he sees he can't escape the name Byrne with Superman. That's what he wants for future generations with his. And I think these are the attempts at it. I had a problem with all the aliens looking the same, but I don't know if that was Rees, the artist, or if that was Bendis. Yeah, I know the the soldier guy. I know he was drawn to look different, but I think yeah, but most of the other ones would all just look the same. I can almost hear Bendis saying, I want a big splash page of aliens who all look exactly alike, except the females are dressed differently. And then we'll make up a bunch of names for each that won't mean a thing two pages from now. And then there'll be a bunch of nonsensical word balloons. We won't be able to tell which one is saying what, but it doesn't matter because only three of the 48 word balloons will contain random words that are relevant to the actual events in the comic. You know what this reminded? It reminded me of Legion of Superheroes. Listen, we didn't do a review of it, but let me tell you something. The last issue of Legion of Superheroes yeah. had a lot of different good artists on it. We joke about, especially in business comics, about things not happening in a comic. Yeah. In that last issue of Legion, literally nothing happened. It was the most nothing happened comic I have ever read. Are you sure we didn't do a review on it? I thought I we skipped it. To, well, maybe I almost, we did. I don't remember, but I remember like it was like, I think the point of the issue was because they still have yet to resolve any real plot point in that book. But they were introducing, I guess they're doing rundowns, some of the characters. So every different character had a different artist, but it was like nothing. It was like trying to eat air. I'll go back and look. I can't recall. You see, now I'm thinking, wait a minute, am I thinking of Young Justice? This is the problem with this. The Bendis stuff is running together here. And what was the point of showing Alfred Hitchcock in the middle of that montage? I could not find one Alfred Hitchcock reference. What? Alfred Hitchcock is in the middle of that Superman's rocket leaves Krypton going to Earth montage. There's an atomic explosion. There's a few things that you can say, oh, okay, I can see the relevance. And then there's Alfred Hitchcock in the middle of it. And I'm like, what the hell? So I started looking for Hitchcock references and couldn't find one. When you're, I'm looking at that page right now, and that's, that's who that is. That's Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, it is Alfred Hitchcock. And I, I don't know why in the hell he's there. It's just some very Bendis sort of thing. You know, I'm crapping on everybody else. We may as well drag Hitchcock into it. And reading this issue, this special double-sized issue, as near as I can figure, the aliens that all look like each other are booking a singles cruise to Puerto Rico as Lana tries to get Clark to open up to the idea of swinging with both him and Lois. Brave, bold choices by Bendis. He reading Hickman's uh, X-Books? You stay out. Those are gold, lady. You just stay out of them. Don't you worry about Hickman. Hickman is Hickman is doing God's work, okay? Don't you dare bring up his name when we're talking about Brian Michael. <laughs> I gave the writing a two. Uh, the art, five. I, I love the art, but I would drop one point on the art if I learned that it was his call to make all the aliens look the same. 
the way the aliens look, there's like a queen or somebody, or, and they've got four eyes, and everyone else got two eyes. Yeah, I noticed the difference in the so, eyes. I don't, I don't know. Well, I gave the art a five. I gave the dynamic a one. My score was 2.7. How about you, Albert? I didn't hate it as much as you did. I gave the art a four, the writing a two, but I gave the dynamic a four. Somehow or another, Ben's story overrode his dialogue. So you gave it a 3.2? Yeah. I'm fairly certain Lois Lane would be open to swinging. Why? I just, she has Superman. That's not good enough for her. He's, she's only with him because he's Superman. If he was just Clark, it would have never, that would have never happened. You don't know that. I think Lana needs to talk to Lois first before Listen, they this, get up. This ain't, this ain't a Marvel comic. These books have standards for, at DC <laughs> of decency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Oh, was that it? That was the... That was it. We've gone through the DC Comics. Yep. Image, Ice Cream Man, Quarantine Comics Special by various artists and various writers. This originally came out in digital release format during the quarantine. 50% of the proceeds goes from Image Comics directly to help comic book shops recover from the COVID crisis. That's plenty of incentive right there to go ahead and pay to pick up the physical version of this. But I'm going to tell you straight up, I did love it. It's an anthology. It's different story after different story. And if they're is a theme to it. It's just that the ice cream man appears here and there in a couple of them. It's quirky. It's weird. It's got plenty of twists and turns to it. Overall, even though multiple people are doing the art, the art was pretty fairly consistently good. I'm suggesting it. I gave it a five across the board. I enjoyed this way more than I thought I would. I give it no fives. Well, I do because it was entertaining and it kept, you know, you'd go from one story to the next. It's okay. Those, yeah, for those of us with short attention spans, that's wonderful. Uh, what'd you give it? Well, I have a long attention span because I have to sit through a seven-hour Dune movie. <laughs> God! In the last five minutes, it, it, the, 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 the runtime of that movie's gone from four to seven. Oh, I'm sure it'll be longer here before the end of the night. <laughs> it's iffy. I mean, some of the stories work. Some of the stories are good. Some aren't. I mean, I give it, I guess... I just would have to give it an average score of straight threes. Okay. I mean, nothing was great. Nothing, none of it was terrible. It was just, you know, it was just something. I did. I, I consistently enjoyed story after story after story in it. That's why I gave it a five. That and the fact that 50% of the proceeds does help stores recover from the COVID crisis. They went out of their way to make a physical version of yeah. this to put on the shelves. They're really trying to support the physical stores in any way possible. So, okay, there you go. Ice Cream Man Quarantine Comics. I think you should take a look at it. Albert says, yeah, but he's not as excited about it as I am. Also from Image Comics, Cyberpunk 2077 Drama Team Number 1. Oh writer Cullen Bunn. <laughs> yeah, if that, I don't know if we could fit more words in that not title. Not you, oh my God, me. <laughs> <laughs> writer Cullen Bunn. And Art Miguel Valderrama. Are you making a reference to all those Dune names from a few minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> I know this ties into something, right? This is video yeah, game Yeah, there's a huge video game coming out, which is from a tabletop RPG game from the 80s. Okay. It doesn't matter that it ties into it because it was very easy to step in. No, no. The, in, the, in, the, in the video game, you make your own character and do your own thing. This is just a story that takes place in that world. The world feels very Judge Dredd Mega City 1 to me. 
Yeah. So I'm not off on that, am I? No, it's the world isn't that. Like it's not that rundown and, and yeah. beat up. It's I mean it's sort of a high tech world. Well, it's not even Blade Runner because the Blade Runner world's messed up too. It's just sort of a high tech world where people have body modifications and hacking stuff and stuff. The cool aspect of this is that the trauma team works for a corporation, and the way yeah. the corporation makes their money is there's certain individuals that pays them for this trauma team to go in and catch them at a, a moment of death and save them, bring them back or, or just take care of them. And the trauma team goes in to risk lives and everything else to get these uh, high paying individuals out of these situations or to save their lives. It was very easy to step into and pick up on the surrounding cyberpunk world that they did. There's a lot of thought that went into this and I love the art in it. I'm definitely yeah, they had very good this. art. Uh, I really like the coloring in the book, too. It, this is another one that I didn't expect to like because just the title by itself kind of put me off. Was there an anthology I was supposed to read before picking this up? But there's not. This is a real easy book to get into, and so I'm in for it. Uh, I gave the score fours across the board. Yeah, that's pretty much my score. It's easy to get into because the art does a good enough job laying everything out that you really don't need an explanation of like what the world is. You get a good feel for the socio-political situation just by the interaction of the trauma team. Yeah. So everything, like the writing's fantastic and everything. I was expecting just sort of an average book that I would sort of enjoy because I'm really looking forward to the video game. I really thought it was a great comic. I did too. But Colin Bunn's a good writer. Yep. I, I enjoy Colin Bunn. I think he's so underrated. Well, of course I like Colin Bunn. <laughs> he wrote that Captain America Namer one-shot. No, he's underrated, I think. Yeah, he and really I don't is. know why isn't he doing anything else for Marvel because like nothing he did for Marvel seemed to catch fire. I don't mean well, like see, a to dumpster me that's, fire. To me that's also I mean. sort of like Jeff Lemire's like that. When he does mainstream co superhero comics, you can tell he wants to do them and he really likes to write those. All Jeff Lemire's great stuff is all his creator owned stuff. Marvel Comics. Okay, Sandra, you pointed out, what, what is this about the Black Panther from Marvel? Hopefully it's still going on when this airs, I, I'm assuming because of the, the tragic news about Chadwick Boseman. Marvel has given away all of the Black Panther books, digital Black Panther books. On Amazon um, Kindle and Comixology, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so you, you can download them. Now, the list I saw did not have jungle action on it. Is jungle yeah, action on it? Yeah, that was weird. There's, I, I, yeah, it did not have jungle action. Because that's or, the good stuff. I know, but it had the entire Christopher Priest run, and that ain't that's shabby. That's a good run. Yeah, that's and it also had the, uh, the Black Panther Man Without Fear run that was really good. The David List, yeah. And it also had that four-issue miniseries, but it didn't have Panther's Prey. Part of the deal here is, you know, Jungle Action should have been on there, though, because I would have thought they had that. If, uh, if it may be on there. I haven't looked up the reading no. of that stuff on the apps. So. No, I, I looked up Jungle Action. It should have been on there, I thought, because they have the collection, of the Marvel Masterworks Black Panther, which has, of course, Jungle Action in it. If I remember correctly, they only had two issues of Jungle Action, and I'm not even cool. sure that they're on sale. The only kicker on the everything is free is you can't go in there and get Marvel Masterworks Black Panther or the graphic novel collections. You have to go into the series and add each individual into your cart. But you can do that if you like look it up by series. There's an add all to cart and click on that. You won't get the do more graphic novel slash bundle but if you go in you can click on all six issues of Doom War. 
four or five hundred, maybe more issues of Black I mean, Panther. They've got a yeah, they've got a list here from his first appearance, the Jack Kirby run in 1977, right. to Nisi Coates' first run of him when Black Panther took over for Daredevil back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Of course, Doom War, you mentioned that. X-Men and Spider-Man and Avengers, Wakanda Forever. The Hudlin Run. Yeah, you get Sori. Sori, yeah. And the you, Killmonger miniseries. Yeah, so you got a whole bunch of... It's worth checking out on Amazon, Kindle, or Comixology. So yeah, right. check those out while they're available. That's very magnanimous of Marvel to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over 300 of them, according oh, to CBR. Yeah. Albert, let's talk Ultraman, number one. Writer Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom and artist Michael Cho and Gohiru. Is this something that it would have benefited me more if I'd been a fan of beforehand? Yeah, it, it really would have. Yeah, because I, I kind of Because they tell you what everything is and they do some classified blocking out of stuff. If you knew like any Ultraman lore at all, at least Ultraman and his origin and, and you know the government groups and all that, that it would help out. I kind of got the sensation that this is something that I, I needed to be in on the world build beforehand. Yeah. The issue one set up, here's the world, you know, here's sort of the a setup for everything, mm-hmm. but it's not really written like that. It's sort of written by someone who's really not explaining anything. I guess they just assume you may you know it on some base level, but even though you don't. Or that you picked up episode zero or what, but episode yeah. zero didn't go into, or issue number zero didn't go into it. Look, I thought the art was nice uh, really? for the most part. Oh, did you pick it up, Sandra? I took a, a quick scan through it. I didn't read every word. The art was serviceable, I guess. Yeah, well, my I big gave... problem with the art, like the, the main story was none of those guys look Japanese or Asian even. Cho, which that makes sense. The backup story, yeah, he did, but I didn't think any of those characters looked Japanese. Hmm. I thought it was okay art. I didn't think it was extraordinary, but the whole thing kind of left me out in the cold like I needed to be more in on the joke or in on the story or something. I gave the writing a two, the art a three, the dynamic a two. My score was 2.3. Yeah, that's pretty much mine. In my head, I was going to do like a writing a dynamic a two and art a three. Okay. They just don't explain it. And it was the same thing I had with the issue, even though I knew it. They're just telling you names. They're not really telling you, explaining anything. I felt this way. It, it wasn't my cup of tea, but then, of course, Ultraman was not my cup of tea. I think people that like that show would like this much better. So twos all around. Mm, not my cup okay. of tea. Empire, Fallout, The Avengers, and Fantastic Four one-shots. Two separate books. We're just going to talk about them together. A Ewing for Avengers and Slot for Fantastic Four. I thought both of these books were way better than the main series. Yeah. I mean, that, that's or, not saying much. I enjoyed these books. It's just that every time I recalled what these books were wrapping up, this is acting like this was a much bigger deal than it was. Yeah. I thought it was much more engaging and entertaining, and I thought the promises and the setups in them were far better than the entire run of the actual event. I enjoyed the artwork in both. I just kind of liked seeing the superheroes pal around with one another. It's like the X-Men stuff. The X-Men stuff for Empire tie-ins. Yeah. But that could have been anything. Well, yeah, that's it. And this, this could have been, been anything. They could have beat the Wrecking Crew in the previous <laughs> issues and it had been the same issue. That's it. You know, the Wrecking Crew could have gotten cosmic-level powers and everybody have to team up to stop them. It was nice seeing them all stand around and talk and this and that. And even the Hulkling stuff. I thought the Hulkling stuff was pretty good about dealing with the aftermath. 
Yeah. Dealing with the Empress and all. I don't know what the situation is where we flash into the future, and I'm not anxious to find that out. But I am curious about what's going on with Yuata and the former Nick Fury, who is now known as the Unseen. Oh, Lord. You mean Uatu? Uatu? I always called him Uata. Where'd you get Utah from? Uata. Uata. Uatu? Is that it? Why has nobody Uata. corrected it's, me in my... It's not Uata. Well, how it's would you... Uatu. Put... You ought to. Okay. You ought to. That sounds like that little character from Total Recall. (laughs) That's Quato. Yeah. Yeah, but Duncan Idaho is a terrible name. (laughs) I prefer. I prefer Uita. Why some dude on a desert planet named Duncan Hines? It's not Duncan Hines. Yeah, it's Duncan Idaho. Marvel now. (laughs) Why some dude on a on a desert planet named Jimmy Nebraska? I thought it was a nice touch that Hulkling ordained that Ben and Alicia adopt the children. Why does, I like that. Why yeah, does I Hulkling get to decide? I, that was my big problem with these two. Was Seriously? Are you guys seriously taking this guy as an emperor? Seriously? I, he's, I, son I just, of, he's son of Marvel. He has zero, zero experience ruling. I mean, he has no leadership. I mean, he's the, learning his way. A lot of people are born in that situation. Well, I, I, I just... <laughs> I'm fine with it. What we've seen him do so far was fair and just, and he handled this situation. He just, we're not going to be with him every step of the way, but the way he handled his grandmother and the way he handled the scroll and the Cree soldiers that sided with his grandmother, that was all very nicely done. I felt it gave more to the character of Hulkling. Like I said, the main point was is... Well, who would you have given the children to, Sandra? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thought I, Ben and I, Alicia were a great choice. Well, I did like the fact that some people made assumptions. <clears throat> Richards. <clears throat> yeah, but, no, um, that, but, was, uh, that was so arrogant. You know, we'll be happy to take them. Yeah, I'm sure that made Valeria and Franklin feel great. <laughs> Sus- I mean, such a that was Susan that actually said that, wasn't it? I forget who the word blue. Yeah, I don't have a problem with them giving uh, giving them to Ben and Alicia. Ben and Alicia need some kids. I think Ben would be a great dad. He's a great uncle. But oh, I do too. And he... give birth to some rock kids. God. <laughs> Every time Hulkling opened his mouth, I'm like, who? I would not follow this guy anywhere. I just wouldn't. He's better than most we've seen, and I mean, really, this is. You're talking about the Cree and the Scroll. They've not got much going on for them at the moment. This is what they've got, and this is more promise than they've had in a while. We were going to have a big Cree and Scroll event, but then somebody thought it'd be a great idea to have a weed-whacking party in a garden somewhere and ended up with something called Empire. So overall, I gave both books the same score. I thought the writing was a four because it was entertaining. It was mostly the heroes talking amongst themselves. I gave the art a four because... Good art across the board. The dynamic, I gave a two because it was still Empire. My score for it was 3.2. I just gave them both straight threes. Okay, fair enough. Sandra? I'm going with straight threes, too, and I have to agree with you, Stan. I mean, this was probably one of the better points of this event. I did like seeing Agent Brand, and I loved her telling off everybody. Oh, she slapped Carol. Everybody deserved that. Carol deserved that. Y'all just came out of Secret Wars and the Illuminati, and you're doing the same thing again and totally 
Carol should know better. She's like kind of ignoring the chain of command. That the Alpha Flight should have been right there. Okay, we all think that the uh, follow-ups to Empire was far better than Empire itself. Even if you didn't follow Empire, you can pick these up. You'll be okay with these. They're setting up things for the future in them that look way more promising than this event was. You know what was the best thing about these books? I guess I should raise my score. Why? Because the Fantastic Four Fallout had my beautiful Alex Ross Namer cover. Oh, oh it was so nice. gorgeous. Oh, I meant to bring that up because it did have that cover. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. I'm pretty sure they'll eventually do a poster of that, so keep your eyes out. I am definitely keeping my eyes out. Marauders, number 12. Jerry Dugan on writing duty and artist Matteo Lolly. Kitty's back. I thought this was very nice character interaction and setup for the next few issues of the books. Sets the tone for the whole next arc. And it really does deepen the very deadly political plays going on on Krakoa. I just very much enjoyed it. It just focused on Kitty Pride. Brett being yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is mostly just sort of an in-between issue of arcs. I mean, it's fine. The, the whole run's been good. Kitty's knuckle tattoos are pretty cringy, though. Yeah, I'm not big into that, but... I'm willing to forego that for the rest. I just love this book. I really do. Next to X-Men, it's probably my favorite overall X book, although it has a contender this week. I gave the writing a five. I gave the art a four. I would have really given the art a five, but for some reason, Matty O'Lolly seemed like he was having trouble with Lockheed. There's some issues with the art this yeah, week. Yeah, but Lockheed in particular was the thing that kept slapping me in the face. Yeah. So I gave the art a four. And I gave the dynamic of five. My score for Marauders is 4.7. I gave the writing and dynamic of four and the art of three. I have a question then about yeah. this issue. There were spoilers about it ahead of time about Kitty's sexuality. Was that a surprise to you? No. Very few writers ever did anything with it because if they yeah. ever did anything with Kitty, they just sort of stuck her with Colossus and that was it. Kitty is well, bi. Kitty Pete has always been bi. And Pete Wisdom, yeah. This is not a surprise at all. There's been several conversations that Kitty has had with Storm, that Kitty has had with um, Ileana from mm -hmm. the Claremont years. They just couldn't outright. It, it does not shock me at all. And the fact that the girl she kissed looked a lot like Ileana, okay. You know, that's that's fine. I'd rather see, and I don't mean this saliciously, but I wouldn't mind seeing her and Ileana interact more in the comics. Mm-hmm. But Ileana is being used, am I wrong about this? Is Ileana not being used practically everywhere else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's, she's, on, she's in a lot of the other books. She's not even second to Cyclops. She's on a level with Cyclops. She's the other field commander. They do a wonderful job with Ileana. So rather than institute a standard background character into it, I'd rather it be a standing situation. But yeah, there's this whole... They even reference it in this issue of Marauders, where Kitty says, uh, I had a hissy fit over you cutting your hair to Storm. Well, it was more than that. And if you read the actual issue, you get the undertone going on there between Kitty mm -hmm. and Storm. Mm -hmm. When uh, And this is after Storm's wild night running around Japan with Yukio. Mm -hmm. That's fairly well established, too. But no, this is not... I didn't think anything of it. Albert, did you think anything of it? No, not really. I mean, it, it, yeah, you're talking about 30 years of prologue to it. Mm -hmm. Now, or I'm sure we subtext becoming yeah text. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's it. That's it. Now, I'm sure we could ask John Byrne, and John Byrne would say, this was never intended. And then I'm sure that we could ask Chris Claremont, and Chris Claremont would say, this is fully mm-hmm. intended, or vice versa, depending on what whatever the first one says, the other one's going to go the other way. <laughs> right. Cause, you know, because they hate each other. No, this was not a shock at all. It wasn't even something I was going to bring up until you did. I didn't think to bring it up. I didn't think this was a a big revelation, but yeah, I guess it is. I guess this is the first time we've seen in comics her kiss another girl. I got to tell you, I've been operating the past, say, 20 years on the assumption that Kitty Pride was bi. Yeah. But we both love the Marauders, right, Albert? Yeah. All right, now we're going to finish this week with what I think is a hell of a book. This is the one that's giving Marauders a run for the money in in my mind. X-Force number 12, writer Benjamin Percy, art by Bazaldula, and if I said that wrong, I apologize, B-A-Z-A-L-D-U-A. Albert, before it's all over, I think Wolverine's going to kill the beast, or at the very least throw him in that hole with Sabretooth. (laughs) I guess. I mean, I I guess the whole island's rules and laws are made up based on on fantasy novels or something. Wolverine has just about had enough of beasts. Well, why would you even parade Colossus out before you even figure out if he did anything wrong? Because Beast is running uh, social experiments. This whole island is a chance for Beast to put his social experimentation into action. So he's a Nazi? He's coming damn close to it. I mean, he's got all the earmarks, which is, and the thing is, is they're not deviating from the character of the Beast. Beast did scientific experiments on himself unethical experiments. He's also exposed others to situations in the past, and that's when he was supposed to be a full-fledged good guy, not stationed on Krakoa. But this bullshit with Beast, when Wolverine, what would you call that, knocked the snot out of the Beast, I thought, good for you. I was I was kind of hoping it popped his damn claws, too. Yeah. And then turned around and ran all of them off. That was awesome. It, the setup is, because Mikhail Rasputin has kidnapped Quentin from Krakoa and taken the Cerebro, what's the sword called? Is it the Cerebro Sword? Yeah, they just call it Cerebro Sword. Yeah, the Cerebro Sword. Beast has decided to interrogate everybody with Russian connections on the island. And so Beast rounds up Omega Red and Colossus. I couldn't help but notice he didn't try any of this crap with magic. No. Cause well, how would he? She'd just she'd just leave. And no, she wouldn't leave. She'd 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 drop him in limbo and not tell anybody where he was. At the very least, I mean, I I really do think magic would have messed his stuff up, to put it mildly. Yeah. If she had been around and seen Beast trying to do a walk of shame with Colossus, she would have messed him up with this. This is. It's hard hitting. You hurt for Colossus. This is really painful to watch. But at the same time, it's so very engaging. And Wolverine goes to get Gene. And this is, I, I love the issue. I did, I did, I did. How about you? Yeah, I thought it was a great issue. I mean, it really was. This is taking the X stuff to another level. Yeah. All of these comics are. Did you see the rewrite at the end of it on one of Hickman's data pages where they rewrote a scene and instead of Colossus going peacefully with Beast, he kills Beast? Yeah, yeah, I saw that where they marked it all through and everything. Yeah, and they marked it all through. The Russian word at the end of that translates into chronicler Hmm. or story writer. 
I guess Percy must have written that through once and know yeah. that he couldn't do it, but wanted to include it. Man, if you're not reading X-Force, you're missing out. I went ahead and gave it fives across the board. I gave the writing five and the art and dynamic a four. I would have loved to have seen the one shot of Beast trying to bring Ileana in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sandra, you are missing out on some books. I know. You need to expand your horizons with the X books. I was about to say, I've expanded my horizons so far with a lot of independent books. But yes, I i mean, I like Hickman. I, yeah, I just need to get on the roll there. Oh, y'all heard that Pattinson has COVID. Did we mention that? <gasps> no. Yes, we did not mention that, but I did hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Production on Batman was shut down for a couple of days, but they resumed. Apparently, they're shooting scenes that don't require him to be in the Batsuit, but rather stunt doubles and such. Yeah, because that thing already got shut down once. So Yeah. Was, yeah, was he the only one that had it? I'm sure there's probably some others that we haven't quite heard about yet. But they but probably replaced them. It, well, I'm thinking more behind the scenes and all. Yeah, that's what not, I'm saying. Not in like front if, of the camera. Right. If the grip, it, it turns out, test positive <clears throat> for COVID, then they can always find another grip. Yeah. Who's going to know that? Yeah. Because at first they announced, oh, we're shutting it down because there was an outbreak of COVID. And then it turns out the outbreak of COVID was their lead yeah. star. <laughs> Hmm. This is a major problem there. I mean, I'm I'm sure he's going to be okay. Like we've talked about before, you reach a certain level of money and have as much money as they've got him invested in him to play Batman. He's going to get the best of care and all. I just hope he gets through it well. I've you know you hear varying stories about people right. experiencing COVID. When he's and he's younger. Oh yeah. And as far as I know, of doesn't have any pre-existing conditions. So hopefully he has a problem when he gets in sunlight. He sparkles. Oh my gosh. That's so. horrible. Oh, yes. <laughs> there needs to be a fun run or something to raise money for the sparkling sunlight situation. Okay. <laughs> <So> wrong. <laughs> Moving right along. Department of Truth, number one, by uh, somebody that we've come to know and love, James Tinian Fourth, who prefers you call him T4. We don't know that for a fact. <laughs> We're just assuming he does, because if I had a cool name like James Tinian Fourth. I'd prefer that you called me T4, too. Hmm. Yeah, his street name, T4, or his artist name, I, T4. I wonder, I wonder if, like, Anson Mount, his, 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 it's his brother, if there's some weirdness there with how many people are named Who's James it? Tinian. Oh, James Tinian? I don't One, two, well, apparently at least four of them are. Yeah, so there's a lot of hype behind Department of Truth. Uh, apparently, they're, uh, they've got a high number of orders for it. A hundred thousand. Yeah, that's, that's what I saw. <laughs> yeah, that's for a non DC Marvel book. That's astounding. Well, it's yeah, it is. It's good for an image book. Do we know what it's about? I saw an article on it in the New York Times, and I know Patton Oswalt said something, maybe tweeted or something. But for some reason, things pop up with Patton Oswalt with me. I think it's cause of his Disney connections. Okay, it says every conspiracy theory you ever heard is true in, in this new comic. So well, it's going to be dealing with. Is it um, about Alex Jones? One of the covers has Kennedy on it with some X's on his eyes. So um, always Kennedy, always Kennedy. Do y'all believe that there is actually a conspiracy set in place with Kennedy? Because most of it is explained away. That magic bullock stuff is explained away by the fact that the governor was sitting on a jump seat and was not positioned evenly 
with Kennedy in front of him, like they say in the movie JFK. Yeah. I tend to believe that maybe Oswald was led to do it. I would assume if you're the president, there's probably some people in the government that wants you dead, but that don't necessarily mean that they were responsible for Kennedy getting shot. So Yeah, I mean, because over the years, that has just gotten way out of hand. And then the Mythbusters did a whole situation where they disproved, like, everything. Well, I think a lot of that, the Kennedy stuff, when I remember, like, the Supreter, that film didn't show up till much later. Oh, that no, was that not available was... to the public day one no. from my, from what I remember. Yeah, no, the Zapruder film was first shown to people outside of the Warren Commission in that trial that the uh, Louisiana attorney... Jim, um, what's his face had while he was trying to connect all of this together. It almost cost him his reputation and his job, and he was getting death threats and all. But he was the first person to manage to show parts of the Zapruder film to the general public, but only the people in the courtroom that were watching it. And then later it became readily available. Sandra, what do you think? I who I do you think just... killed Kennedy? Yes, Sandra. Sandra, do you I... own a babushka? <laughs> I, I don't subscribe to many conspiracy theories. I'm fine with, I know. But I, I, I'm looking at, the, I, back to the comic here. I'm reading this press kind of uh, interview on Sci-Fi Wire. Wow, this actually is, no wonder this has 100,000 pre-orders because it sounds very timely. Conspiratorial? No, no, no. It's very uh, appropriate for our times because it says that the Department of, of Truth is basically... That all these conspiracy theories are true and the Department of Truth is trying to cover them up because the reason why these conspiracy theories are quote-unquote true is because the more people that believe in them, the more that quote-unquote reality becomes. I actually do believe that there's something to that. Well, then this book is probably for you. As it says here, he says, if enough people believe the sky is purple, then the sky would become purple. No, that's Uh, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this series is a conspiracy thriller about the organization that makes certain that the truth is protected and that the right things stay true and the wrong things don't become true. That's, I mean, that's that very, statement yeah. is just rife with potential and some head screwing there. I love um, what he's doing with Batman. I am all on board on this. So I'm excited for this. I especially like what you just said because, yeah, I do believe there's something to that. It's the dream of a thousand cats. Yeah. yeah. Cats were the dominant species yeah. on Earth, and humans were just these little naked things running around that the cats would eat. They were no bigger than mice and all. And then one night, after years and years and years, one human went from human tribe to human tribe and convinced a thousand humans that they could change everything if only a thousand of them could dream of a world that humanity ruled. Apparently he got it and the next morning we're in this reality where cats are just annoying. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so... Yeah, yeah. So that if you like that kind of stuff, now the only thing is you, the art is reminiscent of Bill Skins, Skinkowitz. Boy, talk about me mangling. Sinkovich. Sinkovich. Sinkovich, yeah. No, it's Sinkovich. Sinkovich, thank you. Bill Sinkovich. Maybe, I don't know. And David McKean. It's not. No, I'm, all, I'm down for part. this. I'm yeah. all for and the really cool thing is, like, one of these covers has the Department of Truth seal, and it's the pyramid with Illuminati eye on it. Yeah, the the, so, yeah, the supposed eye of God. Okay. Oh, you we, never answered the question about the babushka. <laughs> I don't even know what a babushka is. 
<laughs> there was a woman in the Zapruder film that's standing near where Kennedy was shot, and she's in a babushka, a head covering, and they could never identify who this woman was. Okay. <laughs> it surprises me that you don't know more about American history. <laughs> I like the older American history as opposed to the newer conspiracy theory American history. Okay. Where were you when Theodore Roosevelt was shot? <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all very much once again for listening to us. We appreciate you greatly. Dear Lord, I don't know what to say. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Do continue to share us with your friends, drag people, force them to listen to us. If they blame you for it afterward, they weren't really your friend to begin with. Now, were they? <laughs> Share us with your friends and family. Write Albert's name in on the on your mail-in voting ballots. <laughs> For anything, it doesn't matter. He'll take any position anywhere. You know, on the mayor for Warrior, we didn't have write-ins. Why didn't. not? No, on the local election, we didn't have write-in spots. That's because they know you're there, Albert. <laughs> they do. They're scared, even though they just fired half the police force recently. Well, you know <laughs> what? It, it wouldn't take much to get you on that on that ballot. They really wouldn't. <laughs> I'll look at probably you. Wouldn't, probably wouldn't take much to win either. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It's not at all. I mean, it's Walker County, so. <laughs> Jefferson County. Oh, it's Jefferson County. <laughs> what were you running a mayor of? Warrior. Warrior. Warrior I, inside Jefferson. Warriors. I wouldn't really run. I wouldn't really run the mayor for Warrior. So. <laughs> warrior is it Jefferson County? It's the tippity top. You hit a rock and you're in Blunt County. Anyway. Continue to send us your emails. KingdomCast, that's KingdomCASTS at gmail.com, KingdomComics at gmail.com. Both KingdomCasts and KingdomComics on Facebook and Twitter. Continue to follow us. Let your friends know. Send us questions. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate y'all greatly. Thank you for tuning in. Y'all really, really, these last few episodes especially, been a great boon to us. All right. We thank you all so very much. Albert, do you have anything to say? Nah, I'm good. Sandra? No, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. When did they say that 12-hour Dune movie's coming out? <laughs> December. No, I I didn't, it, didn't, it ain't coming out in no December. Well, I, no, he said it's going to try to get it out in December. They're going to chop it up like a Snyder movie and put okay, that crap okay. on HBO Max. I, I, I have to ask you, which of these quote-unquote horribly named pe people intrigued you the most from the trailer? Oh, none of them, really. Okay. I mean, I'm going to go watch it. I'm, 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 I've been really looking forward oh, to this I, movie. So. Yeah, I'm just going to go watch it. As, just a matter of fact, I'm not intrigued by any of the characterization. I'm watching, as we've been doing the podcast, I've had the David Lynch version running in the background. And <laughs> all I can think of is, boy, you went from this to Showgirls, did you? <laughs> what? All right. Showgirls? No, what are you talking no. about? David no. Lynch did do not Paul Verhoeven. No, I'm not talking about the director. I'm talking about Paul Antrades. Paul Antrades. Oh, yeah. Paul McLaughlin was in yeah. Showgirls? God, yeah. yes. Man, I am blocking out that movie. Kyle McLaughlin was hey. Showgirls. <laughs> All I can remember is that woman, Busby, whatever. Kyle McLaughlin wasn't in Showgirls, was yes, he? Yes, he was. Boy, you're in denial. You'll feel better about the whole thing once we watch uh, Showgirls for watch, the Verhoeven I'm episode. I'm not watching Showgirls. I'm going to call in sick for that episode. <laughs> All right. Tell them good night. Good night. Fade Ruatha. <laughs> good night, everybody. That gobbledygook. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Program's <laughs> over. Bye. <laughs>
Kingdom Casts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thanks to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryan, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Charles Hickey, Allison Marceau, Mark Adam Miller, and Katrina Olstead. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casts is copyrighted 2020. All rights reserved. It's anti-circumcision. It's anti-circumcision. It's anti-circumcision. Circumcision.